we're definitely a younger demographic. So around, you know, 68, 70% of our people are digital natives. I joke that I'm a digital native, but I, you know, I remember rewinding audio cassettes with, you know, a Bic pen. So the people who are coming into the organization and who are frankly driving it and will be the leaders of it um, have a very different set of experiences that they have had their entire lives that shape the way they think about how they interact, um, not just with technology, but frankly with, with each other and how they collaborate. Hi, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So one of the things I increasingly enjoy doing is taking a couple of people who appear at one of our DWG member meetings and kind of commandeering them and saying, that was fantastic. What you shared was really amazing. And I want to get some time to record a podcast episode. So I did that last week at... WeWorks offices in Soho in New York and the two people who captured my attention amongst others at the meeting were Jessica Woods who is the lead product designer for EY Ernst & Young um, around employee digital experience and also Chase Moore and Chase is a product strategy and innovation leader at EY. And they did a, a really great presentation at the meeting, talking about the way that they, as an organization, had thought about new ways and implemented new ways of engaging and connecting with the ever younger and ever more digitally connected people who are coming in to EY. So it was a really interesting conversation. Jess, Jessica, is based in LA. Um, her parents learning to surf there, which is interesting because she uh, originally comes from London. Um, and Chase is based in the Cleveland office for uh, EY. And I think they make a great team. So do enjoy the episode. I think there's a lot of really interesting experiences and quite innovative experiences that EY is constructing around thinking in real time about the way that this younger demographic works. Instead of sort of coming in with sort of set ideas, they've been thinking about this really differently and I much enjoyed the conversation. It's been great to be here in Soho in New York at the WeWork offices here um, and we've had a really terrific day and I was really struck by uh, the talk that you, presentation you did Chase and Jessica um, about this topic of engaging younger digital natives but just before we get into that 
Chase, perhaps you can just explain what your role is at EY. Sure, yeah, and I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to be at EY for a long time and have a lot of different roles, but you know, where I am today, I actually oversee a, a team of product managers and designers um, who oversee the, the strategy and the innovation for our flagship knowledge management product that we use internally. If you think about a company like EY providing professional services across a very complicated set of different sectors and different businesses, um, being able to foster the knowledge that we already have and leverage that um, to help our clients solve their most challenging issues is really fundamental. So what our team does is we try to deliver uh, technology products that help keep them better connected um, and really prevent from kind of reinventing the wheel um, every single time. I think there's a quote at some point where it was, it, it, I think it was, if, if HP knew what HP knows, they'd be unstoppable. I'm probably brutalizing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But. yeah, that's a good good way of putting it. And, and Jessica, what, what's what's your role in this? Yeah, so so I am, uh, I guess, uh, a digital native. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm new to EY, um, and I work as a product designer, actually, in, uh, in Chase's team. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, um, kind of looking at the kind of it from an innovation perspective um, internally, how we can go about and improve the experiences for our our kind of younger demographic employees now. Um, yes. So what does what does product design mean within EY? Because if I think of product design, I don't really think of a, a management consulting company. Uh, so so I guess. Um, I'm not primarily client facing so uh, product design within my team is um, kind of being embedded with the product managers product owners development um, and kind of solving problems for uh, our, our, our users who are primarily our employees of EY um, and we do we have various methods from workshops and design thinking stuff to um, to more of a nitty gritty kind of tactical products um, day to day um, kind of development changes um, and just kind of being there as also as a consultant kind of basis as well if if um, internal employees have questions and I do a lot of user research too so um, okay working and talking I mean if you if you think about um, you know somebody flying an airplane. The positioning of all of the controls is extremely important um, for the way that they operate in that job. If we think about our people at EY, you know, they're having to help navigate a complicated landscape of client issues and helping them you know, solve various different types of problems. We're trying to design really meaningful digital experiences for our people um, so that they can navigate that landscape. So even though it's not a knob, um, in, a, in an aircraft, um, designing products that help them, you know, either find somebody else who has expertise in a certain area um, and be able to make those connections, build those communities. Um, that's really what we're trying to do. So, so this idea that there's a changing demographic in the workforce, I mean, you know, we've had digital natives for a while, and I, I guess you're both digital natives, um, and and... And then there's kind of changing within the digital natives. And, and EY, what was, the, what was the problem that EY kind of uh, saw that it wanted to address? I don't know that we saw a problem per se, but we were approaching this, 
this topic of you know revamping our digital experience for our people. And I think we wanted to really understand what are those needs. Um, and when we look at you know our business, we have you know as many businesses do um, a lot of digital natives. Um, and that trend will continue to grow. So being appreciative of that dynamic, making sure that we're, you know, designing experiences that meet that need is important. You know, we tend to think about product design and good product being the kind of, as Jessica and I were just talking about before we joined this room, um, it's at the intersection of what technology can do, what is the strategy of the organization, but also what are the user needs? And, and being able to hit that sweet spot in the center um, that balances those three factors, um, I think is really important. And that user centricity point comes back to, you know, who are the users that we're designing this for? What are they trying to do as opposed to what do we want them to do? And, and how many people are in EY and what's the average age? And is it getting younger? I mean, what's the, you know, you're thinking about a, a population of, of people yeah it's it's a good question we're we're definitely a younger demographic so around you know 68 70 percent of our people are digital natives um and that that is going to increase we really predict over the next couple of years that that will um really shift and be mostly people that are gen z so you know people born in the 1990s into the early 2000s um, so it's it's definitely a, a younger demographic, people who really grew up um, with digital technologies. I joke that I'm a digital native, but I you know I remember rewinding audio cassettes with you know a Bic pen. So um, right. you know the the people who are coming into the organization and who are frankly driving it and will be the leaders of it um, have a very different set of experiences that they have had their entire lives that shape the way they think about how they interact, um, not just with technology, but frankly with, with each other and how they collaborate. And Jessica, what, what do you think this, this sort of younger demographic is looking for from, from an organization like EY? Because presumably they come in thinking, well, I'm going to work on interesting projects, I'm going to get interesting client assignments. Um, what is it they're expecting from the uh, the technology, the tools that they're using? Uh, I, I think um, we're expecting things to happen a little bit quicker than right. what we're usually, uh, what other people are used to, I think. Um, that kind of instant, um, I don't want to wait 10 seconds for a page to load, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and I, I think we're also uh, kind of, I think we're a little bit more distracted than uh, previous generations so um, our attention is shifting um, across all these different platforms that are now available to us mm. um, and I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing but mm. um, it's happening and um, I, I think uh, we, yeah we're just kind of expecting our, uh, you, you to kind of know me as well so right. um, know who I am know what I need um, I, I've I mean, I'm probably quite biased because I've come from a design and research kind of background and I, I invest in that, but um, that kind of expectation that uh, I'm seeing something that might be different to someone else, I think, I think that is kind of something that we're kind of used to now. So, so what would be an example of, of something that would frustrate somebody and what would be an example of something that would really please somebody? 
well, a frustration, I guess, just from some of the pro- projects we work on is, uh, you know, if I'm entering a search, mm. um, I, I wouldn't expect uh, it to take more than a couple of seconds for me to see my results of that search. Um, and I'll probably get quite frustrated or I'll go elsewhere if I don't see what, uh, what, if I don't see something, there's also a level of is that item relevant to me as well. So, um, uh, and so it would be delightful if I, you know, if I'm looking for something and I see I see it there, um, just so I can get, if I can get my job done quickly and get out again, actually, then that's kind of a win, a win from. So is it is it that people? In, the, in this sort of younger demographic, which is what we're talking about, and I can absolutely see why EY wants to be progressive and innovative in this area, uh, is it that if you, if, you, if you kind of mess up, you get criticized, but if you get it right, people just go, yeah, that's kind of what I expect. I mean, is it, is it, is it a field without praise and, and, and appreciation? It's, it's, a good, it's a good question, I think. Um you know, everybody comes to work every day wanting to make an impact. I don't know that that's different with a younger demographic. What I think might be different is, you know, that that responsiveness um, that that people have come to, you know, expect um, in almost everything, not just the speed at which the results come up on the screen, but the speed at which they can actually deliver a solution. So um, I think there's an impatience, maybe is the wrong word for it, but I'll use that anyway. Um, with the the younger demographic to get to that answer quickly. So, so just give me an example of um, something that you've developed or done that you really feel is kind of representative of this 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 new, uh, more interactive, more uh, effective world that you're trying to create, and maybe what the process was that you went through to get there. You know, maybe one of one of the best examples I could I could think of is um, having a focused experience around name-based searches. Um, we actually what's, saw, a, what's a name-based search? So searching for you know somebody based on their name. So looking. Oh, right. Okay. I'm looking yeah. to find out like who your executive assistant is. Yep. yep. Um, that type of an experience is one that. We, we found that actually a lot of our people are doing. We're looking at um, data on, on what people search on in one of our tools, and we actually found, this kind of surprised me, maybe it shouldn't have, but 25% of our, the searches done in our system contained the name of a person. Right. So a lot of what our people are actually looking for, and maybe this is why it shouldn't be surprising in a large professional services organization, is looking for people that they want to connect with. Um, they've heard by you know word of mouth that, oh, this is the person you talk to about blockchain or this is who knows the latest about you know RPA technology. Go talk to them. Um, and being able to really build a experience within our tool set that tailors for that type of a search experience um, is something that I think we've we found was was very successful. We actually show a little result block that gives name based results within our search uh, context. So you know that type of experience of getting them to the type of thing that they're looking for quickly. One of the things I've often heard relative to searching on people and expertise is that unless it's LinkedIn, 
people won't update their information and so on. How do you, how do you overcome that? That's a great, that's a great question. And I wish I knew the full yeah. answer to it. Um, because that's, if you have a rich database of information about people, then it's really easy to have, you know, your network of who you know doesn't have to be limited based on, you know, the, the people you've had interactions with. You could actually simply search and find who are all the people. Um, I think where what we've learned is bringing in more information that you don't have to enter manually is the key. So what data can we take that we know about your interactions and kind of organically build a profile of your expertise? You know, you've joined, you know, the company, but then you've also done work on these types of projects. All of that data sits within systems. Is there a better way for us to aggregate that information and kind of build a profile that we're kind of co-curating with you? Um, is the key. So uh, that's at least what we've seen so far. But it is a challenge to get people to do that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that I was going to sort of attempt an answer at my own question, which was a bit similar, which is if we're relying on people to, inverted commas, update the information, then what's that's not the way we're going. We're, as, we're a, a, asking, expecting the systems to increasingly be aggregating data, assembling data, amplifying things, showing who you're connected to. I mean, let's face it, if I said to you who's in your network, Jessica, you've probably got an idea who you think's in your network, uh, but it's probably not. You've probably got, it's quite an interesting question, you, there's probably a much wider network that we've each got and, a, and, a, and quite a different and network. different types of networks as yeah. well. We did some research recently and um, there was this concept of there's my personal network, there's my professional network, there's my, um, you know, my kind of what LinkedIn does with the first, second, third level yeah. um, kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's definitely different. And do people, are people interested when they're searching on, on, uh, on, on people to, it's like, do they really care whether you're inside EY or, or whether it's outside, because I, you know, it, 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 to some extent, the knowledge of EY is partly the people within EY, but it's also the networks that they have around them. Yeah, a lot of I think one of like EY's mantra is um, it's, it's who it's the, your relationships and uh, kind of building those communities. That's part of our job is to help build that that community. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of challenge. I think another piece of um, information that came from some research we did on our profiles that we have, um, it was that uh, LinkedIn, uh, everyone's kind of using LinkedIn as their base kind of CV, if you like. like the concept of the CV as a document and all of that um, kind of is, has totally changed. and. They're, they're kind of using LinkedIn as, as their base um, now, so they wanted it to integrate with LinkedIn and all of this stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was just interesting the way things have changed from that. Yeah, it's, we, we've spoken with some of the, the people in our business, and one of the things that they're trying to do as they grow their career is kind of stack the deck in their favor. So, um, you know, having the ability to, you know, find out 
who a particular leader is in an area of the business that strikes their interest, um, and then actually be able to figure out, well, how can I get introduced to that, that partner or that senior leader um, you know, to get aligned with some of the work that they're doing. So, you know, being able to kind of understand who's connected to who and who you might have in common um, is, is becoming a, a common use case that we see um, that we maybe wouldn't have anticipated, right? I mean, I'm looking for somebody who's an expert on topic A, you know, clearly something that came to mind, but um, figuring out how I then get connected and introduced because um, I'm not simply going to send an email to this partner directly. I might go through it through a more indirect means um, is also something that we've been learning. And do these, do the, do, does the approaches that you've taken affect EY's ability to retract talent, retain talent? Or don't you know? I guess it's a hard question to answer. It's a good question. I don't know that we know yet. Um, how effective that that approach has been or not, um, but I do I do anticipate if if people have an experience um, at EY that they've you know felt like they've been able to get well connected and establish a good network um, that we actually hope that lives on and that they become part of the alumni system that we have um, you know and, and possibly come back you know one of the things I found interesting about EY and we refer to these people as, as boomerangs you know people who've left the organization and have had another chapter of their career and then you know come back to share um, great insights that they've gained from from other places that they've worked so um, I guess that's a roundabout answer yeah. to say I'm not sure but we but, hope no I, I mean it makes absolute sense the 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 more the more effective you can be the more the easier it is to get things done i mean what strikes me in the, in the environment you're trying to create is that your ability to uh get to work on interesting projects i mean let's say you you know you want to work in south america and you then sort of think about well who's working in uh mexico and how do i get connected oh so and so's working that I've got some information I've worked on that particular client it gives you a chance to um, connect so how do you decide which sort of aspects of your digital workplace that you're going to focus on and improve it's a great question you know there's so many different things you could focus on how is it that you prioritize yeah. you know the what um, and there's a, a few different things that we do um, one is we've, we've established these kind of, we call them sounding board groups, um, who we go to on a regular basis with different concepts. Um, user research is, is a huge um, aspect of what we're doing as well. So making sure that, you know, before we do anything from a prioritization standpoint, um, that we're actually going through a process of vetting the concepts um, with users. And then I think you still, at the end of the day, need to do a prioritization of you know what is the effort and what is the anticipated business impact of some of these things you know I think there's an age-old adage that you know 80% of the things that you build won't be used only 20% are um, so making sure that we're really um, intentional about you know what are the things that we're hearing from our people um, what are what are areas where we find either high pain and high frequency is, is one way of looking at it um, or where are there areas where there's just a tremendous amount of impact, and even if the effort is high, um, we want to take you know that as a as a as a best bet or a big bet 
um, and try to invest in what and would tackle be, that. What would be examples of those things? Um, well, certainly the, the high-frequency, high-pain items of, you know, it takes me like 20 clicks to get to a system to, to complete a task is, is one. Um, so investing in making that much easier um, seems to add value. Um, bigger bet ones, um, you know, taking, taking something that is actually, you know, not something that the user would think, oh, I'm going to do this in a system, um, and kind of preparing a proof of concept around it and seeing how people react to it has been an approach that we've taken. Um, and I'll give an example. So we were going through and we were interviewing our users and we were testing concepts of how we could improve the capabilities of, of one of our platforms. And what we had done is a heuristic approach where we said, okay, you know, here are the things we're trying to do in this system. How have other companies solved for that? And we would take those concepts, those design principles, and we would cast them in the light of our system and see what worked and what didn't. And when we were going through this study, we actually found that a lot of people were saying, well, actually, there's, you know, there's something missing here. There, you know, and the example came up was, was a chatbot, actually. You know, I'm trying to use this system to get information that I need to do my job, and you know, browse isn't working for me. Why isn't browse working? Well, I don't really know what I'm looking for. Um, search isn't working for me because I don't really know like the name of what the thing is. So this is analogous to a user journey where I have a project in my house, let's say. I want to improve you know, my, my bathroom. I go to the hardware store and I'm not really sure where to begin. I want to have a dialogue with somebody about you know, what are the things I might need to consider and then they can help me sort through like, oh, maybe you need to check out aisle nine, which has plumbing and you know aisle 10 has lighting fixtures so we found this space for a gap actually that none of us had anticipated um, that really our users brought to light not necessarily by saying hey this is the feature I want but you know highlighting this this use case around you know needing something that was different than maybe the traditional context of browse or search um, but something a little bit more conversational and Jessica, I mean, when you're kind of thinking about how to design some um, some product or service, how do you work out, if you like, what you can actually shape yourself versus what the sort of technology platforms you're using will do? Because, you know, you were showing um, the examples of what EY is doing now and, the you know, the way there's a quite a lot of integration with different Microsoft services and so on and... There are things that it, you know, the technology is increasingly able to do things. How do you work out which things you can sort of make an impact on? I mean, it's, it's tricky, you know, because this technology is like always shifting. And so one one minute you think you you know how, you know, Microsoft Teams work and then they'll release something new and, and it just kind of blows everything out of, out of uh, perspective. Um, I think it's... Um, there's definitely an element of like spending some time using the tool yourself and figuring out like what 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 can I do here. Um, it's been particularly interesting for me as a newbie, kind of coming in, getting used. How to, long have you been in the one? I, I kind of started. When did I start? Mar March. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. March this year. Um, so it's been an interesting time of of change in terms of tooling. Um, I've I've been kind of seeing how what Microsoft Teams is is doing and, and how it's kind of changing 
kind of communication to a more kind of real-time chat model um, and so it's now when I'm designing I'm purposely thinking about um, how, how will we integrate with teams and and some of the the teaming that's going on within teams as well because now you no longer have like 800 people on a on a cc'd on an email you have like specific tailored groups um, that you're collaborating on projects um, so like thinking about how it's a lot of thinking about integration asking with developers what what's going on um, a, kind of a, a lot of it is kind of assuming that we might we might have kind of technology constraints what are those constraints so then we can work around them there's a lot of problem solving from mm. from from it and were you well. were you working in a uh, an enterprise environment before yeah so um, i've actually have, well, i've kind of done a few different bits i used to work for adp um and and i've actually also worked for a kind of music production company um so I've kind of seen it from a co- the corporation perspective, big corporation and the smaller corporation um, perspective. Um, and each environment is different. It's, it's hard to just place one. Um, and it strikes me that it feels like the, the, the enterprise technology environment is going through a very innovative period. Um, you know, there are new kind of tools coming along that you're not quite... Is this... What, what is this? Is this real-time communication? Is, is it a document-sharing system? And, you know, uh, it's, it's really quite... All the above, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a strange time. I mean, and there's so many more tools now than, you know, there ever was. So mm. there's a proliferation of tools. Um, it's almost overwhelming. I think the, the, the strategy is trying to figure out what combination of those allows me to get work done? Um, at the end of the day, I think our, our people are really focused on, you know, how do I be productive? Yeah. Um, and if, it, if I have to use 16 different things, that's probably not, mm. um, you know, the, the right answer. Um, but figuring out what is that right mix of things that I need to use uh, to I get my job done. I think it's also about being flexible enough um, in, in what you're doing and, and what tool you could use to do it. Um, so, so yeah, yeah mm. I just had that. So. Is there anything you've worked on so far or seen inside EY and you thought, that's a really excellent way of doing things. That's very satisfying. Um, I've, well, I'm enjoying Teams mm-hmm. a lot. I've, I've been enjoying like the way that that, the kind of the channel model, um, and I know that's, that's new to the firm, so... Mm. Um, I think we do we do a, a cool job with um, our research, our user research. Um, we, we've got a great team, and um, I think in order to kind of get enough kind of data points and get enough interviewers, we actually work with um, some of our employees. We get them trained as interviewers themselves, and I think the kind of side benefit of that is that it it develops kind of context and understanding in an, in a way that is not quite the same if, as if you just like presented a deck mm. um, of research findings um, so that's something that I've been I haven't seen that before and at EY and it's been really great to kind of democratize that kind of research process yeah think, yeah and to what extent is the the leadership on board with what you're doing 
Is, it, is, is, is this seen as a really important area for the organization? Is it seen as a cost? What's, what's the kind of mindset? I think the, the mindset is that, um, you know, definitely we've, we've got good support and that there needs to be an emphasis on, um, you know, data-driven decision-making. So there's certainly been an investment in our leadership team in terms of standing up user research functions. I don't know how many organizations take it so seriously that they're actually willing to staff yeah. people towards it. Mm. Um, you know, not just, you know, using a consulting company, but actually standing up your own and really kind of treating it as a, a dedicated function. You know, this isn't a hobby that we're going to do on a, on a one-off basis because we're kicking off a project. This is something that is just part of the fundamental way in which we look at our products and services and, and how we continue to evolve them as they move through their natural life cycle. Mm. And do you feel this is changing the EY brand? Another good question that's hard to answer. Um, yeah. I hope it is. I'm trying to come up with questions that I feel you probably can't answer. <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, I think, I think you know, hopefully um, what people experience with EY is, is something that, you know, lasts a lifetime. And I know that sounds probably kind of corny. Um, but I think if we equip them with the right capabilities to help them grow in their professional goals, um, you know, they obviously help the company as well. So, and other companies that they're working with as part of their, their you know, client service work. So um, I do think that, you know, being appreciative of, of them and being empathetic for what it is that they're trying to do and delivering them a more... Um, tailored experience to get those things done. Uh, I think it matters. Um, we'll have to see. I know EY has, you know, been on the top, you know, companies to work for for many years now. So I don't know if we can selfishly attribute that to the the work that's being done around some of the technology and digital experiences. Um, but I, I, I have to imagine it contributes to mm. some degree. And what what do you think um, the kind of role for the non digital connection is inside the organization um you know there's been a sort of debate as to where you know what place does that what is where what is the physical connection and where how important is that in the workplace i i personally think that the physical connection is very important um at at, at certain times so when you're joining, onboarding, that's something that I've been really appreciative of working at EY is I've been able to like hang out with Chase and the team and get to know everyone's strengths and weaknesses and um, and kind of collaborate together. I think that's helped um, kind of get get stuff done. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think yeah. The the flexibility is key. There's two interesting yeah. um, stories I'll tell on this particular topic. Um, one is that we're finding people really appreciate a flexible work type of environment. So um, when you're looking for talent, being able to say, well, we have flexibility that if you want to work from home, actually, even if it sounds like an insignificant thing, it's actually very significant. People are coming to expect increasingly greater levels of flexibility. Um, they want to be able to spend you know, more time with their family. They're more focused on a work-life balance. 
Um, and Paul, as you mentioned earlier today, thinking about your day being, you know, bookend with a commute that involves stress and, you know, all of those challenges, being able to um, have the optionality of having that off the table has been, you know, really impactful. On the flip side, though, another interesting thing that we've learned, actually part of recent user research that we've done, we found some of our more junior resources um, who've, who've come into the organization find a lot of value in being in the office and having those in-person connections with other people. I mean, so much of our workforce actually spend most of their time at a client location if they're client serving. So the one or two days a week where they may not have to, um, they'll go out of their way to be in the office to, to build those physical connections and to grow their network and gain knowledge um, you know, outside of the digital space. So I don't think it's digital alone. I think it's actually this yeah. combination of, of the physical and digital. No, and I think that's absolutely right. And we've, we found that in DWG. You know, it depends on what stage people's lives are at as well. You know, if they've got young families, you know, you know they've got a partner who's working as well, then the, that flexibility becomes really important. Frankly, if they're living at home with a mum and dad... <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they can't afford to move out yet, then actually working from home is not a great idea. That's not what they want. And, and actually, I find that, that with the, you know, uh, the sort of youngest uh, age group, they actually like, you know, that, that structure as well. And, and I, I feel there's um, uh, a kind of, I don't know about a resurgence, but a greater appreciation of the physical connection in the digital world. And it's the, the digital does give you that kind of flexibility. So one of the questions I, I like to end with um, is just to ask you, what's a perfect working day for you? What's, what, does, what does that look like, Jessica? Perfect working day. Well, I wake up and can't start a day without coffee. <laughs> um, and I'll probably... Uh, Maybe just check what my to-do list is going to be, um, figure out what my calendar is looking like for the rest of the day. Then I'll probably jump on a few calls with, with my team. Um, and you're based in LA? I'm based in LA, yes. So mm -hmm. um, much of my team are based on the East Coast. So um, I have a few kind of morning calls and then we jump. Uh, I'll have like some nice thinking time, if you like, in the afternoon to, to kind of get in and, and, um, and depending on what I'm doing, um, just get get my head around some of the kind of action points from meetings uh, early on on in the day. So I've, I've definitely found that to be a great kind of balance. Um, and and obviously I don't have I, I work remotely, so I don't have the commute time. So um, yeah, and and throughout the day I'm just pinging people mm. on on Teams. And are you? It sounds like you're you're sort of using the time zone and saying, well, this is where I am. The people I'm working with are either, you know, let's say more on the East Coast or in Europe. So you, you kind of, in a way, you kind of do the busy stuff in the morning and yes, then you yeah. kind of, yeah. And, and what's a perfect working day for you, Chase? You know, I like a, I like a mix. I definitely like to start with coffee. <laughs> um, right. And probably end with, with where are you? Well. Where are you located? I'm based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So I'm on the East East yeah. Coast of, mm -hmm. of the states, yeah. Um, and I similarly have a situation where in the mornings I'm I'm on a lot of meetings, which I actually like. I like to be in meetings where we're kind of problem solving and making decisions. Um, but I do like to have time and space within the day for you know individual thought, reflection, 
and, and doing some strategy work. I think having that blend of both, you know, group kind of collaboration um, as well as kind of offline time to kind of contemplate, think, um, and, and really do some actual creation of, of Deep assets. Work. <laughs> yeah. Deep work. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the word. Yeah, work. Where, where was that? Yeah, rather than shallow work. Because who would want to work shallow? <laughs> well, it's been great to talk to you both. And thank you so much, Chase and, and Jessica, for your time and for, for coming out. And now we can head over for the drinks. Sounds Not coffee, good. but something yeah, a bit more have a intensive. Cool. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time. Thank you.